Today on Blue 58, it feels like we've been using the word transition a lot when it comes to the 2023 Packers, and unfortunately we would have to use it again for the defensive line. A position group that wasn't all that exciting to begin with is transitioning into a new era. So is it going to be any better? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink, and I am happy to be with you here for another episode. Transition. The quarterback position is in transition. The offensive line is transitioning. The wide receiver room is transitioning. The tight end group has just been remodeled entirely. On and on down the list, things have changed a lot with the 2023 Packers. And so we find ourselves for today's position preview at the defensive line, another position group that is transitioning. There were some people that were here for a while, or at least veterans that are no longer here. I was thinking yesterday on my way home from work that the list of players that were on the Packers when the power sweep and Blue 58 started, it's dwindling. It's getting to be awful small. And an unexpected name popped into my head uh, from that list that departed this offseason, Dean Lowry. He was part of the Packers 2016 draft class and was in Green Bay for a long time. Love him or hate him, that's a long time to be around one player, some guy who's taking up space in your brain as you think about the Packers. He was here for a while, most of a decade, and the list of players that have been with the Packers longer than he is, he was, is pretty slim. We're down to just David Bakhtiari and Kenny Clark, I believe, for guys that were around dating back to 2016 when we launched this entire effort. So things are changing. Dean Lowry is gone. Jaron Reed, a veteran player who only spent one year with the Packers, but was at least something of a known commodity, both when he came in and now when he departed, he's gone too. And in come some guys, the likes of which we really haven't seen before. The Packers seem to be going, making a conscious effort to get a little bit smaller, a little bit lighter on the defensive line. In addition to that, they join guys along with Kenny Clark, who have basically been bit players to this point in their NFL career. So what does all that add up to? As a bit of a spoiler, I really don't know. I don't know what the Packers have in their defensive line group this year. I know what they're trying to sell us. They're trying to say, we've got some athletes. We've got some guys with upside and potential. We've got some guys that are going to help us change our mindset here on the defensive line, on defense in general. Some of that sounds pretty good. I mean, guys that have athletic upside are always nice to have. Guys that are going to help you, you know, get quicker and faster and stronger up front, that's always good. The mindset stuff as just a, a general referendum on the defense right now doesn't do a whole lot for me. It's great that you're thinking about trying harder on run defense. That's wonderful to hear. But you know what would really help even more is some better players. And whether or not the Packers are thinking about playing better run defense is kind of immaterial if these guys turn out to not be any good at all. So are they actually good? What do we have here on the defensive line? Let's dive into that. But first, I want to give a shout out to Patreon supporters, James Schluter, Frank Ziegler, and Jeff Moreno. I think I've shouted out each of you guys before, but I wanted to do so again because I wasn't sure. And I'm looking to continue to shout out our faithful Patreon supporters because that is what keeps the lights on here at the Power Sweep. We really appreciate everybody who supports us and we really, uh, I just really couldn't do it without you. It takes money. It takes resources to keep the lights on here for a podcast, a website, 
plus all the, the data and resources that we need to go as deep as possible into these teams that, or into the teams that we look at when they're playing the Packers, into the Packers themselves, your support means the world for that. And I really appreciate that. And I want to do a better job of recognizing that support as well, as well as giving back to you. So starting now and hopefully carrying out through the regular season and beyond, I'm looking to increase the output of Patreon-specific content. I'm trying to get, get going to try to get something up every week going forward, in addition to, to giving all of our patrons access to our Discord server. Check out patreon.com slash thepowersweep, support at any level you like. Join our Discord community, get access to some bonus content, and help us keep the lights on here. After all, we are listener-supported through and through, and always will be. That's why you're never going to hear ads on Blue 58 and just want to keep it that way forever. So consider supporting if you haven't. If you have, thank you for your ongoing support. Defensive line. Same sort of deal as always. Guys for whom we have no expectations, low expectations, moderate expectations, and high expectations in those orders. We do have some no expectation guys on the defensive line this year. Undrafted free agents Antonio Moultrie and Jason Lewin make up that that group. No expectations for either one of these guys. Moultrie is real small, fits with kind of what the Packers have done with Colby Wooden and even Carl Brooks to a lesser extent. 6'4", 275 on Moultrie. Lewin is tall and athletic. Of the Packers' undrafted free agents, he might be a pretty good bet to make some noise. This is probably not overly enthusiastic praise, but from a build standpoint at least, he's not all that dissimilar from Dean Lowry and Lowry hung on for a long time in Green Bay. So in this group, make the practice squad and you're basically golden as far as meeting expectations, probably exceeding expectations if you're coming in as an undrafted free agent. Prediction-wise, I think Lewin makes it. I think Moultrie will not. Low expectation guys give us some interesting prospects to look at. Chris Slayton is our first in this category. He comes into year two as a quasi-undrafted free agent. He was on the Packers practice squad all of last year after bouncing around the league for a while. Unfortunately, he ended up being entirely a spectator to last year's defensive line problems for some unknown reason. As we said again and again last year here on Blue 58, the Packers had issues up and down the defensive line last year, but they approached finding solutions to those problems by just saying, look, we've tried nothing and we're all out of ideas. There was just no movement on the defensive line at all. Uh, Devontae Wyatt couldn't get into games. Jonathan Ford spent the entire year on the 53-man roster and didn't ever appear in a game. Jack Heflin was on the practice squad for most of the season, then was released without ever making it to the 53-man roster last year. Then Chris Slayton was right there with him. With that sort of backdrop, he couldn't really be anywhere other than the low expectations category. And I am probably higher on Chris Slayton than most. I think he's got some really nice attributes in terms of size and strength. His pedigree to this point as a player would paint him as a guy that would seem to be of use to some NFL team, especially a defensive line needy team like the Packers. But he's a year two practice squad guy who never sniffed the roster. So low expectations as a result. Meeting expectations really comes down to making at least the practice squad again. I would love it if he at least got a look on the 53-man roster. Obviously, coaches know more about what goes on with these guys than we do. But I don't understand, and it's happened a few times over the past few years now, where the Packers will sign a player 
keep them on the practice squad for like an entire year and then don't do anything with him other than practice squad stuff. It's just he stays there on the practice squad. Is he really giving you that great of looks on the practice squad? There's nobody that you'd rather, I mean, you wouldn't rather get a look at him than somebody else on a given week. What is five or six snaps for defensive lineman number five really giving you versus what a guy like Chris Slayton is going to give you? Don't you at least want to see? I mean, it's happened again and again and again, and we just don't ever really get an answer for it. Stepping down off my soapbox, I would predict that Slayton does make the practice squad again. I think he's also going to be on the 53 at some point this year, so here I am doubling down on Chris Slayton, planting my flag on Mount Slayton, which is a pretty sizable mountain to work off of at this point. Speaking of big mountainous players, how about Jonathan Ford? Year two of his somewhat mysterious career, uh, we need to come up with a, a nickname for him. Like we could call him Bigfoot or the Big Cryptid or something like that because last year he was basically a rumor of a human being. Draft pick on the 53-man roster existed in just sort of this liminal space of being technically a member of the 2022 Packers, but never doing anything of substance at all. He's exactly like Chris Slayton, except he did not spend any time on the practice squad, was on the 53-man roster from start to finish, and never was active for a game. I think we got to run it back. He's got to be at least on the 53-man roster to meet expectations this year. If he doesn't get to the 53, it's a wash. And I think he does make it to the 53. I think he appears in a game. So there's two predictions there for Jonathan Ford. But Nothing new to say on him other than that he continues to be a very large human being who the Packers didn't do anything at all with last year, which was kind of a running theme. Bumping up to our modern expectations camp, we've got two guys in that group, both of them draft picks from this year. We'll start with Carl Brooks, a 2023 draft pick, had underwhelming testing, though there is a small asterisk to that because there's some reporting out there that suggests he may have been quite sick just before his pro day at Bowling Green, like to the point that he lost like eight or 10 pounds in body weight just due to whatever illness he had, which doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun. I've been through illnesses like that. You get food poisoning. The weight just tends to come off really fast. I do not wish that on you if you have never experienced it. Just try to avoid food poisoning if at all possible, which in my instance involves changing your eating habits. And I will leave it at that. I've made some poor decisions about things that I've eaten in the past which have led to food poisoning. One time it was really more my fault than the other time, but we've already gone further down that path than we need to go to. Anyway, Brooks, underwhelming athlete, at at least in terms of his testing numbers. You look at his film, he moves around pretty well uh, at Bowling Green. It, It was not bad to watch on the field. Yeah, it is the Mac, but we've seen less out of more physically talented guys even against, you know, comparable production or comparable uh, competition. Guys that are better athletes than Brooks have put up worse numbers than Brooks, even at a similar level of competition. So yeah, maybe the athleticism concerns are somewhat unwarranted there. He was fantastically productive in college, uh, one of the more productive defensive line prospects in this year's draft, again, with the caveat that it is the Mac. But He did put up the numbers, and he did it over a long period of time because due to the pandemic, he's one of those guys that ends up playing like almost 60 games in his career. So he ends up in this category because on the one hand, the Packers do have a big need to fill on the defensive line. 
jumping a little bit ahead, you've got Kenny Clark and Devontae Wyatt and TJ Slayton as probably your top three defensive linemen right now. Beyond that, who is it? Really nobody. They, they have no defined players who you, you say, yep, this guy is going to be playing serious snaps. But on the other hand, is he the guy that's going to fill it? Is he the guy that's going to step up and take some of those snaps? There is a role to be had. Is he the one to grasp that opportunity? It's really hard to count on a day three guy, but he, I think, is going to be on the roster almost assuredly. So he meets expectations by making the roster and filling a role. I think this is where our definitions for what these tiers of expectations are is really important. Moderate expectations guys are your role players, not really guys that are cornerstones of your roster, but have an important role to play. They're not elevating your team necessarily, but they're not making you actively worse. That's the sort of stuff that we're looking for from these guys that are the third and fourth and fifth defensive linemen. You're not going to be playing 40, 50 snaps a game, probably. You never know. Joe Barry does things sometimes. But you're you're not going to be just like a three to five snap a game player either. You're going to be in there fairly regularly. So when you're on the field, what do you do when you're out there? You've got a job. Make sure you do it. Is Brooks going to be that guy? I think he's going to be on the roster. So prediction-wise, I think he, he plays, but not a ton. I'm thinking under 275 snaps this year. That might even be high. I think also productivity-wise, it's going to be a bit of a struggle for him. So well under, I would say, under two sacks. Uh, for Carl Brooks this year. His counterpart in this tier is Colby Wooden, another defensive line prospect, and in many ways kind of Brooks inverse. Not super productive at Auburn, but much more athletic. Like Brooks, and we, we don't have to say a lot about Wooden because it's very much the same as as Brooks, he's going to get a shot at a roster spot. He's probably got the inside track for one of that fourth or fifth defensive lineman job. One of these guys, one of the undrafted guys, I think is going to have to do a lot of work to jump over Wooden and Brooks, especially given the, the preference that the backers have shown uh, for keeping their own draft picks the past couple of years, especially given this pronounced move to a certain kind of defensive lineman. Wooden is the most, I guess, pedigreed version of this smaller defensive lineman the Packers seem to be going after, just given the fact that he's a fourth-round pick. Uh, but he was not all that great in college. Um, but he is going to get a shot. How much are you going to get from a day three guy? Well, see Carl Brooks. It's the same kind of question. So like Brooks, make the roster fill a role. That's what we need from Wooden this year. The predictions are going to be comparably muted for Wooden. I think he's going to have, again, the inside track, but still under 350 snaps seems like a pretty good bet. That, again, might be a little bit high. Uh, And under three sacks is going to... um, be where I, I peg him in terms of production. So not very productive, not getting on the field a whole lot, but that is to be expected. That's par for the course for these guys that are young defensive linemen coming out. The high expectations group, I think, gets quite interesting for the Packers this year, starting with TJ Slayton. I have had locked and loaded in my podcast notes, like for the last four or five episodes in a row, a segment that I wanted to do on breakout players. There was a week or so around Packers internet where everyone seemed to be talking about breakout players. It seemed to be the time of the offseason where everyone needed to name their breakout player candidates. And I always uh, feel like that's a tough thing to define, but I sat down one day and tried to define what is actually a breakout player to me. And I think you've got to have some pretty stringent, I guess, categorization guidelines, um, 
a strict definition, put it that way, of what a breakout player actually is. And as I worked through it, I, I came up with a few things. Uh, the first and foremost thing is a guy that's been in the league at least two years already. So you need to look for like third-year players if you're really trying to find someone who fits what I think of as a breakout player. It also has to be a guy who either hasn't played very much or is transitioning into a new role from what he's done before. Basically, what we're looking for is a guy who has been in a role before or really hasn't played at all and is suddenly going to blossom into something more. And I think TJ Slayton fits that to a T because we've seen a progressive increase in snaps over his first two years in the NFL, but he's never really been a big contributor, but the Packers have never really wanted that from him. However, looking at the depth chart now, other than Kenny Clark and Devontae Wyatt, there is just nobody else here. The Packers need him to become something more now, so he has to be a breakout player. The Packers haven't asked all that much of him, but he does have some interesting physical characteristics. He's a really big body. He is an immovable force at the point of attack when he is on the field, or it seems to be at least. Yes, it was playing against uh, far, far backup or offensive linemen, but the way that he played in a goal line stand situation against the Minnesota Vikings late last year was just if you will have been a, a TJ Slayton watcher like I have, it made you stand up and cheer. That's like exactly what you're looking for. He became a force in that small stretch of plays, the likes of which the Packers have rarely seen outside of Kenny Clark. Just a big, strong guy wreaking havoc on the opposing offensive line, making things difficult and really impossible for the Vikings to do anything at all. That's what the Packers have needed for a long time. And if Slayton can provide something like that just like once or twice a game, they've gotten more than their money's worth out of him for this season. So he comes into this category just because of the roster realities. Like I said, there's nobody else on the roster other than Wyatt and Clark who have more experience for the Packers. But also, there is some some expectations that come. There are some expectations that come just with the role I think the Packers are going to expect him to play. Because if the Packers are going to try to continue to play Kenny Clark more at end, which I think they will and I think they should, then somebody needs to play his nose tackle reps. And that somebody is probably TJ Slayton. There's really nobody else out there. Jonathan Ford, sure. You could go that route, but he's never seen a snap in an NFL game. Chris Slayton, same sort of deal. He's not been a factor on an NFL roster to this point. They are the other big-bodied options on the defensive line for the Packers, and Slayton is bigger and stronger than both of them and has actually played in the NFL in a meaningful capacity. If the Packers want to move Kenny Clark around, the guy who needs to step into a role that allows Clark to do that is TJ Slayton. So he needs to be more than a spot player to meet expectations this year. He needs to fill a role in a way that helps elevate the defense. Prediction-wise, I think a career high in snaps is in order again for TJ Slayton, increasing for the second year in a row. I think he's also going to end up starting at least five games for the Packers. The Packers go, I would say they probably will go with a three defensive lineman look and enough games to get Slayton at least five starts this year. That brings us to Devontae Wyatt coming into his second year after a very disappointing rookie year. And we've never really had it defined whose fault that was. He had a nagging injury and some personal stuff at the birth of a child near the mid, the middle of the season, which I think rightly so. The Packers allowed him some time to, to handle that. I think that's 
great way to handle human beings, just allow them to be human beings and football players second. But I think there were some other scenarios where you wonder, like, is it a conditioning thing that the Packers just aren't putting him out on the field? Do they not think he can do the job? We've never really gotten an answer to those things. So it all adds up to a year where Wyatt really just doesn't play. And dating back through the time where we have reliable snap counts, back to 2012, which is uh, as far back as the NFL has released exact snap counts, you could go further back with the pro football focus, but just sticking with stuff that we absolutely for sure can can take to the bank from the, the horse's mouth at the NFL. Since 2012, the only first-round pick other than Jordan Love, who has played fewer snaps in their rookie season than Wyatt, was Nick Perry back in 2012. And Perry only played few, uh, 26 fewer snaps than Wyatt, and he only played in six games before he was shut down for the year due, due to an injury. It's Wyatt and nobody else, essentially. Nobody played fewer snaps as a rookie who had a meaningful shot at playing snaps than Wyatt. That, for whatever reason, whether it was injury, off-field stuff, conditioning, not picking up the defense, issues with the coaches, non-issues with the coaches, picking up a non-football hobby that prevented him from being available on game days, I don't know what it was. The bottom line is he just didn't play, and he played fewer snaps than pretty much anybody else as a first-round pick. In a year where the Packers were talking about reloading so they could go to the Super Bowl, you know, one last time under Aaron Rodgers, that is a big, big missed opportunity. And that that sort of thing is very, very costly, especially given how poor the Packers' defensive line was as a whole last year. So he ends up in the high expectation camp because we are very quickly arriving in put up or shut up territory with Devontae Wyatt. He's coming into his age 25 season. And just for comparison, heading into his his age 25 season, Kenny Clark had already had two different years with six sacks. 2020 was his age 25 season. Ended up being a little bit of a disappointing year to do some injuries. 2020, I think, was a disappointing year for a lot of us, though, for, for some very, very obvious reasons in hindsight. Um, but that was his age 25 season. Devontae Wyatt has a long way to go to get to that kind of level, but he needs to at least be taking steps down that path. Otherwise, the Packers are going to be in serious trouble on the defensive line this year. So how does he meet expectations this year? He has to be the unquestioned second-best defensive lineman on the Packers. There can't be any, like... Is he going to be coming along? When is Devontae Wyatt going to get here? Do we see signs of development? There is no time for that. We are in year two. Put it this way. After this year, there's only one more season before the Packers have to decide on his fifth-year option. Year one's a wash. They've got two years to figure it out for him. The clock is ticking. He has to look like the second-best lineman on the Packers. He has to look like a former first-round pick, and he has to perform. So prediction-wise, setting the bar high, I think he can meet these things. He's got to, first and foremost, be on the field a bunch. Jaron Reed played more than 700 snaps for the Packers last year. Wyatt needs to get in that territory. I think he needs to at least hit 650. I think he will. I think he's going to be under five sacks for the year, but I think his pressure rate, which was about 8% for last year, needs to increase, and I think it will increase over 2022. Some more pressures 
for Wyatt, not necessarily a ton of sacks, but I think he is going to take some steps in the right direction. I think he's just too athletic, really, to not get opportunities here, especially playing opposite a guy like Kenny Clark. Clark is going to soak up enough attention that Wyatt should be able to take advantage of some opportunities. And he did flash pretty nicely in some of those opportunities last year. So I I am hopeful, I am optimistic, and I think in the right circumstances, Wyatt can do it. I don't think we've seen any evidence to suggest that he's just not capable of playing at the NFL level. He just needs opportunities. Unfortunately, given the state of the defensive line, he is going to get them. Finally, we arrive at Kenny Clark. He is an elder statesman, elder statesman on the Packers defensive line. He is one of their best players, perhaps their second or third best player on defense right now. We're willing to have that conversation, you know, given Rashawn Gary's injury, given where Jair Alexander is at, he's he's right in there. If you want to order him somewhere, you know, if you want to say he's the best player in the Packers defense, we could have that discussion. He's up there is the point. He's really lived on the cusp between very good and great for a while. He's had some nagging injuries, a lack of support. Really, I was thinking about this uh, as I prepped for this episode. Who do you think is the best defensive lineman he's ever played with? I think it's probably Mike Daniels, who hasn't been in Green Bay since 2018. So we're looking at half a decade, really, with no no high-end defensive line support for Kenny Clark, which is a real shame. If you get him any kind of a sidekick, the Packers probably have a world-beating defensive line just with two guys. Haven't really ever been able to do that, though. And Devontae Wyatt surely wasn't that in 2022. He ends up in the high expectations category because he's Kenny Clark. Again, he's one of the best two or three defensive players on the Packers. He's got to be great Kenny Clark, though, to meet expectations this year. 2019, great numbers. 2021, great numbers. 2020, some nagging injuries. 2022, I think you really just saw the lack of support again, and they were moving him around um, to different spots. Like, he he played really well when he was on the end in 2021. He played less end in 2022 because they wanted to get Jaron Reed on the field. So you're having Kenny Clark do less of something that he's good at because you're trying to get to Jaron Reed. That's that's something you can do, I suppose. In any case, he's got to be better in 2023. And I think he will. I think if Devontae Wyatt is able to step up, if TJ Slayton is able to take more snaps uh, on the nose, that puts Clark in a position where he can do a lot more good for the Packers' defense. So prediction-wise, I think we see something of a return to statistical form for Kenny Clark. I think he breaks five sacks this year, so at least five and a half sacks. And I think his pressure rate goes up this year. He was at 9.8% last year. That's not bad, but not up to his standards. He's In his best seasons, he's been, he's been around 12%. So I think somewhere between like 10 and who knows where, but better than where he was last year. I have high hopes for Kenny Clark. I think there's reason to be interested in the defensive line. I don't know if I would go so far as to say optimistic. I think what the backers have said about their, their defensive line is maybe a tad too hopeful. But I think there is reason to watch this closely with interest. Let's put it that way. I think they can take some interesting steps this year. Whether or not they do it is going to depend maybe on some factors out of their control. But watching this transition should give us an interesting storyline to follow this year on the Packers' defense. So I've got for you in this episode of Blue 58. I appreciate you tuning in. I would appreciate it even more if you would take a second and share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it. 
It's going to help more people find the show and get more people involved in this conversation that you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.